It's not something you relish. What? Going tour? on tour. Oh, no, it doesn't... It's just... It's work, isn't it? I mean, I just don't think about it, actually. Best not to. But I mean, dead years ago, I thought about it. You must have done a great deal of hanging about in 25 years of the Rolling Stones. Hmm. Worked five years and 20 years hanging around. <laughs> Welcome to Calling the Night Boys with me, Nick, and me, Gavin. Yeah, Gavin is speaking in a slightly sexy voice tonight because we've both discovered something called ASMR. We believe it stands for Anal Sexual Masculine Retentiveness. It's um, something I've experienced my whole life. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I'd just like to say a few words about Charlie Watts before we begin the show because obviously he did die this year. This is from Chick Webb. No, it's not from Chick Webb. What's Chick Webb? That doesn't sound Chick Webb like is... it's about music. <laughs> Chick Webb is like Tinder, but much, much dirtier. This is Max Weinberg, or Weinberg, who is the drummer for Bruce Springsteen and the E Street Band. Okay. And he said about Charlie, Charlie became a proponent, as I am, of a style of rock drumming popularised by the late great Al Jackson, the famous Stax drummer where you deliberately play behind the direct backbeat. The way you do that, which is a little technical, is not by focusing on the, on the two and the four beat, but on the one and the three. Another example is James Brown's music, which is heavily focused on landing on the one. It takes a long time to be able to do that. A drummer like that, and you're driving the bus. And the best drummers do that to give the other musicians what they need. Charlie did it instinctually, or in some cases by osmosis, by listening to the great drummers Chick Webb, Kenny Clark, Kenny Clare, Art Blakey, Max Roach and Phil Collins. I made up the bit about Phil Collins. I'm I'm still stuck on the idea that Chick Webb is actually a a website. (laughs) Yes, so that's just a little tribute to Charlie... I want to say also Some Girls, which is the album we're reviewing tonight from 1978. Grail Marcus, who is a music writer who I actually respect, I think he's the only one I respect, said, Charlie Watts misses often on Some Girls, drops changes, fumbles the beat, and yet he's never meant so much on an album. His drums are always up front, clear when the rest of the band is purposefully distorted or blurred. Despite the clatter, there is space in the sound and drums to find it. They allow the band to step out, allow the Rolling Stones to sound as if they're no longer dubious about what they do or what they can do. That was Grail Marcus in the Village Voice in 1978, okay. contemporary review. Um, so anyway, Gav, um, I asked you to... Um, so there's someone in the background. I don't know who they are. All I can say is that they're totally ruining the ASMR experience. It's supposed to be welcoming and warm. Well, there is something quite soothing about the clattering of kitchen well, utensils. Well, actually, that's true, actually. Um, Michelle, could you clatter a few more utensils? Ah. Uh.
I suggested this album and that we listen to it after another long break from the podcast because Charlie died, obviously, and I think it's a very good Running Stones album. It's after their classic period. It's after Exile on Main Street. It's probably not as good as their classic period, but I think it has a lot to offer. So, Gav, I'm right in thinking that you hadn't actually heard of this album when I suggested it. No, I hadn't heard it and hadn't heard of it. Um, and That's the point of this podcast. Yeah, exactly. And I was pleasantly surprised on the whole. Good. Actually, I think it's a lot more consistent than some albums from the classic period that you mentioned. Right. Which, to my mind, can be a little patchy. But I'm not a diehard Stones fan, so right. maybe I'm just a Philistine and... Everything they produce is gold. But. Those are your words, Gav. Anyway, carry on. <laughs> Have you not heard Dirty Work? It's incredible. <laughs> That's their mid-80s, Nadir. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's got Harlem Shuffle on. I tell you, the, the thing that really struck me about this album is the fact that, firstly, Mick Jagger plays guitar on a few of the tracks. He which does. Not especially well, but um, uh, I kind of like the fact that the other guys in the band sort of let him get away with it. Yeah. Um, I think that might partly be due to the fact that uh, Keith Richards was somewhat absent on this album. Um, Is he not on it a lot? No, as in, you know, he kind of, um, he was sort of less in the driving seat Mm. um, because he had some... uh, serious legal issues to confront in relation to his heroin use. Was that in Canada? Uh, I think that's right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I've heard something about that, that he, he had to do community service by playing a free concert in Canada with okay. the rest of the Stones. Right. I mean, it's a bit better than, you know, cleaning out the latrines or whatever. Yeah, and I bet he didn't have to do it wearing a high-vis jacket. No. Not that high vis jackets were... I can imagine like a Stones song where they're singing, like, working on the chain gang, but then you actually put them in high vis Mm. in Georgia on the chain gang. Yeah, it would be a sort of similar cultural appropriation to to much of their music. Exactly. I'm offended even just by thinking that up. I'm offended. (laughs) So uh, two two other things that... um, for me stood out about this album one is that um and we're getting getting into the guitar geekdom here but yeah. um is the fact that uh it's only the second time that keith richards has extensively used a guitar pedal he prefers to rely on his uh, combination of different amps and guitars mm. rather than using pedals um mm. and when asked when he hardly ever uses pedals he said uh, in an interview that you can view online, I think on guitarworld.com there's a clip from it, he said, I need my feet to stand up. He hasn't, <laughs> he hasn't got time to be like pumping pedals. Uh, that's, very, that's a really good answer. His use of a, of a pedal, um, which is, I'm reliably informed by guitar forums everywhere, mm. is a phase pedal. Right. Um, Gives this album much more of a sort of almost post-punk kind of new wave sound, mm. which is very unstones, um, and sort of positions them right in the moment, yes. um, rather than them 
kind of churning out something that's harking back to you know their glory days in the early 70s yeah um uh and i don't know whether that again comes from the fact that uh this album was supposedly being quite driven by mick jagger rather than keith richards mm. um and has sort of in some cases something of a disco feel in certain parts but and yeah. also a kind of punky feel in other parts it's, it's the first album where Ronnie Wood was a full-time member of the band. And right. You really feel that sort of rapport between him and Keith Richards, the sort yeah. of interlocking guitar lines, whether they're sort of they're kind of comfortable with each other and they're mm. operating as more of a unit rather than mm. Ronnie Wood being a, a kind of hired gun mm. brought in to mm. replace one of the revolving doors of uh, the, the revolving door of uh, former guitarists mm. in the band. Mm. 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 Anyway, uh, so it's it's a, it's a very New York sounding album, I think, even though it's actually recorded in France. Um, but there's that real feel of New so York. So recorded in France, apparently so. Yeah, the um, uh, I, in a studio in Paris. Because all the songs are more or less about New York. Aren't mm, they? Absolutely. Because what I've written here, uh, listeners, is um, overall a fine sleazy answer to disco, the New York Dolls. Um, Johnny Thunders and the Heartbreakers, the Ramones and Seventies New York. Jagger plays guitar on the first side, along with Richards and Wood. That's not actually now I say it aloud. It's not very incisive. <laughs> it's a good pricey. Yeah, I just thought. Yeah, it's a good sleazy. Okay. They definitely heard the New York Dolls, who were themselves a kind of aggressive parody of the Rolling Stones. When I say I'm in love, you best believe I'm in love, L-U-V. So, the first track is called Miss You. Still doing the ASMR voice. Oh, I, are we supposed to be stopping that? Well, right. you can do it. You can come in and out of it. Okay, okay. listeners, I'm going to step out of the ASMR warm bath of audio mm. and start talking normally now. Yeah. It's not what I, th- I think of as being a classic Stones track. Right. By any means. What is a classic Stones track? Satisfaction? Mm. I mean, um, I just think kind of, women. yeah, sort of blues rock. Really. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, whereas yeah. this is very, very kind of disco. Yeah, got a very funky bass line. Yeah, uh, I'm not sure if who's playing the bass on this. Um, Bill Wyman. Well, I, yeah, but he did kind of depart for, towards the end of the recording of this album. I oh, think, did he? Um, but I think it is Bill Wyman, and it's also not a very Bill Wyman bass line. It Too is, busy noncing off the girls, isn't he? I yeah, think. I guess so. Anyway. Now, I think he kind of fell out with them at this point, didn't he? Oh, I just want to say an SMR, ASMR word, which is nonce. Noncing. Noncing the 
Counting. <laughs> uh, this, I think this sets Police the Police investigation. Anyway, sorry, carry on. BBC. He, um, Newsnight. This, uh, this track really sets the tone for the album in that it's, it's kind of a, it's a bit of a jam, you know. Mm. A lot of the tracks on this album are, feel like extended jams. Yeah, man. With um, Keith Richards and, and Ronnie Wood sort of trading licks and, and just kind of um, mm. intertwining their guitars. You know, mm. it's it's very uh, it's very laid back, mm. kind of like shuffling beats, uh, sleazy sax towards the end, mm. um, but also kind of slightly plaintive lyrics. Yeah, um, there's there's a sense of like the temptations of the rock and roll life of having become a bit um a bit tiring yeah i think that's true like jagger's a bit jaded by it all yeah well there's one um line in it that says um he's 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 in character as someone else where he says i've got some puerto rican girls who are just dying to meet you which sounds like high-class prostitution Mm, and there's a case of wine linked to it as well. yeah and it's kind of like it's a great line because it really puts you in the moment of like sleazy late 70s New York. And I imagine they were proposition with that stuff quite a lot. But it's, but the sense in this song is that he's just like, I just, yeah, do you know what? I might just go to bed early. Yeah. This really evokes for me what I imagine late 70s New York nightlife, nightlife would, would be like. You know, yeah. A bit sexy, a bit sleazy. I, you know, people are kind of rushing on amphetamines, me, obviously a lot of cocaine. Mm. Yeah, I get this. I get this from the whole album, but particularly this song, yeah. Hey, uh, Keith, why are you doing drinking Mrs. Uggett's medicine? Well, I, was, I don't know it was her medicine, uh. you know. It was just in here when I came, you know. Maybe it was brought by the angels. Stranger things have happened, you know, the Marie Celeste, yeah. the arrival of your talent. You shouldn't do that. It's a matter of life and death. All the best drugs are. Cheers. So it's quite a shock when the next track comes in. Uh, when the wit comes down, which is quite punky, more more sort of like post-punk, perhaps. Sounds like this kind of thing you might hear on college radio in the seventies. <laughs> Is basically like the New York Dolls, this song. It's about uh, Rent Boys, so it's got a Velvet Underground feel to it as well, obviously, with the Rent Boys. But um, Yeah, do you think sympathetic? Um, I think it is sympathetic, yeah. Because, I mean, he uses some language that would sort of be considered fairly inappropriate now. But I think yeah. it's talking about how now how you're perceived as a, as a gay man in the late 70s. So he's, he's gay in New York and he's a fag in L.A., I think. is That's right, yeah. Which... Um, these days would be quite a shocking lyric, but I would say is one of the reasons why I hate contemporary culture. <laughs> anyway, dragging you away from culture wars. Yeah, um, sorry, but it is annoying. But then, like, you know, at the it, same t- uh, this is this it's a slice of life. It's a story. It's also a slice. Anyway. Sorry. Yeah. 
It's also a bit of a mix musically, this, because like you said, it does have that sort of New York Dolls energy. But then there's bits that sound to me like sort of late Who uh, okay. rock tracks. And then it breaks into this bridge, which is pure country rock, kind of Eagles, Flying Burrito Brothers, that kind of thing. I feel like they're kind of riding several waves at the same time mm. um, that they're all happening in the 70s. Mm. As I guess you can when you're, when you're sort of... Um, an established rock band, you can just look at what's around you and exactly look at Coldplay. Their dubstep phase was was just well. The dubstep off the phase. Hook, I mean, obviously that album has now been lost to posterity. But um, or Ed Sheeran. I mean, he does he does sort of R and B, doesn't he as well? Ed Sheeran. I'm being serious now. Yeah, didn't he do a drill album as well? I think he did do a drill album, and apparently his father did a Gabba album back in the nineties. <laughs> The only, the only uh, negative I would say on this track is that I just I kind of feel like Charlie Watts doesn't have a lot to do on this one. No. He's got a really kind of formulate beat that doesn't yeah. really vary a lot through the... And not a particularly driving beat. It's sort of a very guitar-driven. Yeah. Um, anyway, let's move on to Just My Imagination. Well, because I want to maybe pass through some songs... You want to I'm, skip this one? I'm just, no, I'm going to say Just My Imagination. It's by... Who's it by? The Temptations. It's by The Temptations, yeah. Uh, I love this song, and all I've put is Wonderful Cover. I thought it was a great cover. Um, I thought it sounded a lot like television. Channel um, 5 or Sky? Um, Sorry. I, th- I think maybe kind of like more 4. <laughs> I agree. I think, it's a, and I think they do a wonderful version of it. The original's good. This is even better. It's one of the, to hark back to an early episode, it's one of these cover versions, I think, that supersedes even the original. It's very different. This is much more of a kind of, it's sort of a feel-good track, really. Ed, you know what? I think there's a certain purity in all this. Do you know, I really think I'm beginning to find myself. So I'm going to go, I'm going to move straight on from there to the title track, Some Girls, which is a bit controversial because Jagger talks about different ladies of different ethnicities. I mean, in a a slightly mocking way, I think, in a slightly parodic way, um, they came under fire for this song at the time from Jesse Jackson, the civil rights um, activist and reverend. He felt that it was, um, you know, stereotyping black women in particular. And you can sort of see. Yeah, you can. You can. I mean, Graham Marcus says it's the cliches that make the number so funny. Which I agree with him. Even if the bite of the music begs for lyrics that would mix up the cliches, just as the cover of some girls, the cover of the album mixes up the stones. I think he's right. If he'd mixed up the cliches, I think it would have been even, it would have landed a bit better. I still quite like it. It's got a great um, sweaty performance, as Grill Marcus says, by the harp of a young black Brooklynite called Sugar Blue. It's a beautiful, brilliant. Yeah, that harmonica. harmonica features sort of various points throughout this album, and it is just superb. It yeah, just really makes a lot of the tracks. It's absolutely great, yeah. 
Um, these days, maybe like a lot of their songs, probably wouldn't pass muster. Well, they had to drop Brown, or they they said they were bored of Brown Sugar, but clearly they had to drop it because <laughs> the lyrics are. I think they did say good. they they only dropped it recently with the new drummer, and they said, "Oh, we do think it's a bit inappropriate these days." I mean, what's interesting about Brown Sugar is that thing I have read in certain places that it was originally about heroin. Mm. And the record company said, you can't make such a straight-ahead song about heroin, even in 1971. I'm sorry, you're not doing that. So they rewrote the song as a song about enjoying slave girls. (laughs) And apparently that passed muster, and that was absolutely fine. (laughs) So it just goes to show Mm. how times have changed. I still love the song. You know, it is a bit naughty. But then, you know, so is um, Fight for Your Right to Party. Uh, brown sugar you mentioned about um some girls i mean brown sugar at the time mm. attracted the ire of a lot of uh black civil rights activists. oh did it yeah absolutely realize, yeah. yeah again jesse jackson i think okay i mean it's clearly designed to provoke and antagonize but to be honest you know rock and roll should antagonize a little bit I'm maybe not-, not in this way but i i you know it's still such a great riff <laughs> i'm this white boy is going to give it a pass. <laughs> this honky is going to give it a pass. So getting back to some girls. Well, I just, um, yeah. That's why I, mean, I like two live crew as well. You know. <laughs> anyway, sorry, carry on. <laughs> yeah, you're all about vanilla rice rather than... Uh, Not vanilla rice, no, two uh, live crew. You remember them? Yeah, vaguely. They were like the, the first, to get attention, the first like really rude hip-hop band. From Florida, I think. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Back in the late 80s, about 88 or something. Um, I think this, I do think this track is largely tongue in cheek. Yes. But I I do think, again, there's that sort of edge of cynicism and a a sort of jaded palette to it. Mm. Um, it, it, Notably, it kind of breaks in quite, almost quite abruptly on the uh, the previous track, um, Just My Imagination. As that's sort of gently fading out, this suddenly yeah. just cuts in. It's it's almost like Jagger's kind of slept with as many women as like you know he ever needed to, and he sort of realised that the sex part of drug sex and mm. uh, rock and roll is is also just kind I, of. I wonder how many women he has slept with. You, you've gone to the ASMR. I know. You said that. So we're back in the ASMR room, and we're now. About to talk about how many women make chaka 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 chaka. So we know about Bianca Chaka. He definitely slept with her. Um, who's the one who's now married to Rupert Murdoch? Jerry. Jerry Hall. Jerry Hall. I was about to say Jerry Halliwell. <laughs> so this, I only, know it's only a matter of time before she's oh, married. He's, to him as he's well. definitely had sex with two ladies. Two ladies. Mm. Um, anyway, we're, we're pulling back out of the ASMR chamber now, and we're going back into the review. So, <laughs> Sam, back in the room. Back, back in, in the, the room. room. Back in the room. Um, so the next one's called Lies, and I get Hold up. on, hold on. I'm not done with uh, some oh, girls Oh, yet. sorry. Um, there's a couple of things that I think we need to bring out about this. Firstly, he keeps referring to women giving him children that like either he didn't ask for or like <laughs> he didn't expect because he only made love to her once 
which I think is a little bit ironic given his um, mm. his proclivity for coupling with women and then producing. It's children. not ironic; it's just coincidental. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Um, the other thing is he gets he gets a bit John Cleese towards the end of this track and starts banging on about how um, they're going to take half his money and then they can take all his money. Um, He's going to get cancelled. <laughs> That's John Cleese's latest thing, isn't it? Yeah, you know, he's he's annoyed because he's had all these women, at least two ladies They used him. to give him clothes and money, and now they take his money and his clothes. Yeah. I mean, surely he could buy more clothes, but... Uh, well, and you know, the, the thing is, is that back then, you know, it was a much more, um, much fairer society and uh, they had to pay a lot of tax. That's why they had to move to France and Jamaica and places like uh, that. And, and New York. Yeah. So like, you know, he probably did have to pay out a lot in tax and he, what's he got? you know, he can only buy so many clothes per year. Plus he has to buy, you know, like he has to buy those skin tight jumpsuits he was into. Well, he's also I got mean, to pay out all the alimony and uh, patrimony. Is that what it's patrimony. called? Patrimony. Isn't that what we're living under? Patri- oh, no, it's patriarchy. Oh, patriarchy. There are some dubious lyrics in, in this song, but I think that he's really on top of his game here as he a is, vocalist. Yeah. He just really plays with the form. Mm. Um, it's not sort of... Um, he doesn't just sort of follow the melody, follow the rhythm when he delivers... Uh, delivers each of his lines he he just plays around with it and yeah um, yeah i think that's true it's it's, that's it's, true. it's it's a very loose song um but it's also very very tight weirdly yeah well that is kind of how the stones are they're kind mm. of loose and tight at the same time and i think charlie's drumming has got a lot to do with that it's kind I of just right. about coming apart, but it stays together. It's very, and sometimes it seems very inobtrusive, but you yeah. realise that it is actually the glue that sort of keeps yeah. it. Keeps it. All He's definitely together. the glue. He's definitely the glue. So the next song is called Lies, and I've put almost punk, almost. I put very New York Dolls for this. It one. is very New. There's York not Dolls. a lot you can say about lies. It's lies, straightforward. Lies, lies. Okay, it's, it's a straightforward rock and roll sort of belter, but it is is the purest New York Dolls song on exactly. this album. I think uh, it's a good song. Uh, I think it's about the media or something. Newspapers printing lies about them. Oh, uh, okay. I'm not sure. Could be about lying in general. How he hates lying because you know he's a very honest person. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I don't think he's ever lied to a woman ever. No, <laughs> no. Particularly not Bianca Jagger. No. It's a pastiche of, you know, it's a country pastiche. Slightly poking fun, I think, at their current fan base of the time, which had ex- extended into the Midwest and Texas. Um, 
Although I read, I did read somewhere um, on the internet, obviously, that um, both Mick and Keith were uh, big fans of what's called the Bakersfield sound, which is a sort of sub-genre of country music started in the 50s. Ba- Bakersfield, California? Yes. Um, okay. So very different to the sort of lush Nashville sound right. with, you know, orchestras and... Um, mm big hair and big costumes um but more of a sort of down homey kind of style right which i think is um sort of reflected in the way this song is produced anyway i i do kind of love uh mix really over the top country in quotes accent mm. sort of yeah, southern accent so you instantly know that this is very a very tongue-in-cheek track yeah. anyway before you get to some of the standout lines one of the reasons i like this song this is actually one of my favorite songs in the album even though it is almost like a comedy song it really reminds me of um graham parsons in his flying burrito brothers era i don't think you're f- that familiar with graham parsons no i'm not i know the name he was formerly in the birds yes uh, and he left with a, another member of the birds who i can't remember the name of but the, the two of them basically formed the flying burrito brothers um, and it was it was sort of country rock. It, it was one of those bands that was a formative uh, influence in the genre, the um, retrospectively yeah. invented genre of country rock. Yeah, so um, influenced people like Towns Van Zandt and stuff like that. Is that right? Yeah, uh, maybe. I don't know. I thought Towns Van Zandt was maybe a little early than that. Okay, but, um, um, that's but fine. I, I don't know my history. Graham Parsons was actually, I think, uh, he and Keith Richards were quite friendly. And he actually uh, released the first recorded version of Wild Horses. Right. You doing, you doing a MSR? No, I, no, I'm not. No, carry on. Okay. Um, <laughs> you are, aren't you? You're trying to disturb my flow. With no, no, carry on, carry on. Sexy noises. Let's go on to Respectable. No, what what were you saying about the flying burritos? Oh, just that I thought this sounded very much like a um, flying burrito brothers stroke Graham Parsons song, and would actually you, he the, he and um, he and Keith Richards were friends. And he, would you recommend them to me, the flying burrito? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I don't think they produced that many albums. There's like two or three albums, okay. but um, but I thought their the version um, of Wild Horses that they released. Mm which was about a year before the Stones released it on um, Sticky Fingers, mm. um, is actually better than the Stones version. Really? It's more, somehow more heartfelt, more right. poignant. Because hmm. that's a song that I've always actually found a little bit whiny. Um, uh, maybe, yeah. yeah. And yeah. Uh, he, he brings a little bit more pathos to it. Okay, so the next one, Respectable, it's probably the least interesting song in the album, but it has quite an amusing lyric about taking heroin in the White House. Is it taking or talking heroin? I wasn't quite sure. I thought it was taking heroin. With the president, yeah. And laying the queen of porn 
whoever that is. Yeah. Pro- possibly the first lady on the White House lawn. Yeah. It doesn't stand up to any more analysis than that. I think. I think we'll move over. Well, to it's it's just it's basically just a straight rock and roll number. It is yeah. kind of Chuck and Chuck Berry sort of uh, yeah. rock and roll licks. But it's what a, I like about it is, um, and I might be reading too much into this, but it, it it seems to be saying that they're just a bit skeptical about the fact that they've become mainstream and they're now yeah. respectable. Yeah, um, and That's they're true. sort of kicking back against that. That's Even true. though that they know that it's pointless to kick back against it because they are the mainstream. Yeah, but that and lies actually become a kind of formula for them of like this straight-ahead rock and roll yeah. stuff yeah. that goes into the they're, 80s and 90s. They're the least musically interesting tracks yeah. on the album, which is why there's not a lot to say about them, really. But. So the next uh, next song is called Beast of Burden. Now, this is quite a famous... I know, hang on, you've missed out Before They Make Me Run, which I, I think have, is... Which I think is notable um, purely because uh, Mick's uh, given over <laughs> lyrical duties to Keith. And um, you realise that Keith is really not a lead singer, is he? He's just, no, but uh, you know what? It's quite nice. It's um, it's a bit of a rest from Keith's kind of uh, more aggressive voice. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a bit of a strain, I think. He's, stra- yeah. he's straining a bit. And I think it's about as Canada's drug bust as well. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. But it's an indication of why he probably never really persisted with uh, mm. any major side projects. Or mm. he, he did a couple of solo albums, but he did. Yeah, um, you sort of get the feeling that like Nick, Mick, and Keith do need each other. Um, they do. You, At you, least you, they realise that it's you need good. Mick for the swagger and and the kind of the vocal sort of stylings, and you realise that actually. Being a lead singer does involve some sort of skill, you know. Oh, yeah. Musicians like to joke about the fact that singers, um, you know, are people who have no musical ability. Have you ever thought about going into fancy goods? We've got Jagger, man. That's fancy enough for me. Thank you very much. Yeah. favorite tracks on the album beast of burden um i've actually put wonderful one of their best ballads question mark and then gav doesn't like yeah well i this is actually my least favorite song on the album right which is you said that in a resigned way like ah just like stereotypical controversial statement no i tell you what it was like it was a bit like when i was trying to describe uh to romy earlier today okay and i heard this sound of like oh. <laughs> <laughs> i couldn't understand that though lamel and Kajikugu. <laughs> fond went, oh. as i am and, of then, she, and then she said i haven't been listening to you for the last five minutes <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's been a dad isn't it yeah so anyway, I like this song, and this is actually one of their songs that they continually play on their tours. Mm, I can imagine. Same with Miss You. They're, they're the only two songs they really play on their, any of their tours these days. Um, why don't you like this song? 
Well, I mean, going back to what I was saying about Graham Parsons earlier on, this really reminds me of Wild Horses, which is another uh, stone okay. song that I'm not really very fond of. Um, and I, I just find it sentimental and a bit bland. Um, even though I do actually really like the guitar in this, mm. that they've got this sort of like overlapping guitar licks, which is sort of like, it's, it's kind of like a more laid back version of uh, Neil Young's kind of crazy horse era when right. him, and, him and Danny Whitten would sort of like play off each other on, on uh, kind of lead guitars. Mm. Um, but yeah, I just find it a bit banal. Although I do really like the way he rhymes burden with a hurtin. Oh, does he? <laughs> yeah. As in For, his back's a hurtin. To me, like, uh, if I hadn't heard this song before, that would sell me on the song. Like, yep, yeah, that's a good song. <laughs> There's also there's also been it. I'm going to spoil it for you now. There's also been it where he goes pretty 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 oh, yeah. girls, which just makes me think of Larry David in uh, Curb Your Enthusiasm. So, uh, have you watched any? Curb I have, yeah, but not for a long time. And someone asked him what something was like, and he said it was pretty 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 good. Well, L- Larry David says that. Yeah, uh, I don't remember that bit in there. You're gonna have to what find series a clip. is that? You're gonna have to find a clip. We saw like the first full series. It's, Someone gave us DVDs. Um, it? It's yeah, it, it'll be in there somewhere. Okay, it becomes a recurring theme. Right, it stands out more than tracks like "Lies" and "Respectable." Mm. But I sort of prefer "Respectable" because I feel like they're actually saying something in that. Whereas this, this are. is just a sort of standard ballad. They do do the standard ballads quite a lot, particularly as they go on after this album. Yeah. I mean, and, and it's it's kind of it's not really written about anybody, is it? It's no, just about it's just written, like, written about a general idea of sort of romantic love that yeah. he's never actually subscribed to. Yeah, he's too busy not having enough jam for all the black girls. <laughs> <laughs> to be honest, though, that's how I feel about life generally. Okay, so you haven't got enough jam. No, well, there's that, but also, you know, um, how do I describe and? transcribe my experience into something that's more solid oh no i can't so i just got a beast of burden <laughs> i guess you, yeah yeah you know what i mean yeah and then you go yeah yeah mick you understand me you understand me with your beast well burden. i think this is why songs like this are really popular because this is a really popular yeah. track of this album isn't it so it's a bit like angels by uh robbie williams yeah i guess so it's it's the, the rolling stones angels so it's like uh, Promise me oh. protection. And it was all yellow. Yeah. Why Why is it all yellow? I don't know. Yeah. What had, are the lyrics? He had to have a rhyme, I think. It's emergency is he talking rhyming. About, is he talking about living a specimen? Uh, maybe, yeah. Maybe. It was all yellow. Or maybe he just thinks everyone is cowards. Everyone are cowards. What does cowards. it mean? I don't know what it means. It's very curious. Love songs in a very generic sense of love, which is like, oh, I just feel happy about it. But I mean, you know, I should be so lucky. It's clearly about something going on there, right? Yeah. Or um She should be so lucky in love as to yeah, this or, guy. I don't know. Um, I love she loves you, you. I love that you posit I should be so lucky as one of the great love songs. Well, <laughs> well, I didn't like it at the time, but it, I think it's my favourite Kylie song. I don't really like any of her stuff. I mean, I, you know, like Wait, when she... Like, na, 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 no, I don't like na, that one na, because it's got na, this really na. awful 90s beat to it. Oh, I like that beat. I can't stand that beat. I hate it. We're talking at cross purposes here. We're never going to agree on this. 
I like the way that she's kind of ended up with some of the dirt bags of Australian music um, who sort of like... Mick in. Hutchins. Yeah. Michael Nick Hutchins Cave. and Nick Cave. Yeah. Who else? Well, they're, they're the two big ones, right? Yeah. I mean, obviously you've got... Someone uh, from Men at Work. <laughs> the whole of Men at Work. <laughs> called shattered oh why is that um i actually don't know i haven't really uh examined the lyrics to this one particularly but um it seems to be about uh what a um disorienting world uh new york can be sometimes late Um, 70s rat infested new york broke new york there's a reference to people dressed in plastic bags, which I wondered whether that was um, talking about Debbie Harry in the Atomic video. You know, where she's oh, wearing that, that right? bin bag. But that's I'm actually about a year or two later, so oh, I don't okay. think it can be. But, um, I thought it was about homeless people. Yeah, yeah, I think you're probably right, yeah. So he's talking about uptown as well as downtown and midtown. And um, I think he does quite well. It's a quite a sort of... It's a sort of punky purview of the times there's a name for um i know this because i looked it up on wikipedia there's a name for uh, the way that he um delivers the lyrics on this and it's sort of semi-singing semi-spoken and i can't remember what the word is is it rapping um, no it's not rapping it's a german word rap singing yeah it's like rap You know that word? Rap Sanger. This is the song that really brings out that that sort of Mm. phaser um, pedal sound. Yeah. um, Or phase pedal, I should say. Um, And this really does sound like a very, very kind of contemporary track. It does, yeah. In 1978. You put it against Johnny uh, Johnny Thunders and Heartbreakers or anything like that. that, Because I really thought, uh, I know we've talked about this before, I really thought this sounded like a Devo song in some ways. Um, yeah, who even, famously covered Satisfaction around the same time. Indeed, yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, and that's actually a great version of Satisfaction. It is, it's great, yeah, it's really good. Um, but the way he's singing is, is quite Devo-like as well. Yeah. It's, it's, it's quite sort of um, quite detached, quite staccato, mm. and he's sort of semi-singing, semi-singing semi-speaking mm. at the same time. Um, I, ju- I just think it shows that, like, Mick Jagger's actually just really trying to think about how do we move forward from Yeah, I agree. This song was covered by Richard Hell and the Voidoids. Oh, was it? Okay. Um, only live. They never produced uh, a single of it. And so Richard Hell, sort of one of the earliest yeah, versions of television. Yeah, I mean, television. basically, but also, uh, what's his name? Malcolm McLaren based the punk look on Richard Hell, right? Mm-hmm. Um and Sid Vicious looked like Richard Hell. Um, and so Richard Hell and the Voidoids, they, when they played uh, The Music Machine, which I think was in Finsbury Park at the time, um, their encore, they played Shattered by the Rolling Stairs, which is contemporary at the time. Uh, 
obviously, and the crowd went wild because I don't think they really knew what they were listening to because the release days at this point amongst the punk crowd were like, oh my God, that's so old-fashioned and disgusting. Mm. I hate it. And uh, they do a really, really good version of Shattered. Um, there's also John Lydon, the crowd, egging the crowd on in an amusing way. Is this John Lydon, the Trump fan? Yes, unfortunately it is. What can you say? I mean, you know, Eric, you know, I, I quite like Eric Clapton, but he's never apologised for his shit he said in the 70s. Yeah, yeah. he's said some appalling things. Yeah, he? and, you know, what can you do? And he still tries to justify them now, I think. Does he? So, yeah, I think oh, so. Oh, in that case, I take it back. He's a twat. The electronic guitar is also dismissed as nothing but a jangling noise machine, incapable of subtlety or delicacy. Lead guitarist Eric Clapton has built his reputation as a blues player on just these qualities, subtlety and delicacy. He explains, for example, how his guitar has four primary controls, controls for volume and controls for tone quality. So overall, um, you didn't know this album, and then I introduced it to you because Charlie Watts had passed away. Mm. I'm not going to say the word passed because it sounds like you've passed your driving test. He passed the death test. <laughs> it he just, di- it he doesn't dies work. successfully. You everywhere now. Oh, uh, he or she passed. It's just, where, where do they pass? Do they pass, what, the, the the National Gallery? What do they do? I know. Whenever, whenever I mention, I mean, obviously everyone experiences it's death, a, it's death a, at some point. No, life, obviously passed away is a euphemism, but it's a euphemism on a euphemism. It just annoys me, you know. Yeah, I think when people have died, they've died, right? I mean, that's not that's not yeah. a taboo thing to say. Well, it, it, I think it is these days. I think you hear it a lot, even in news media. Part like maybe when the Queen dies, she won't have died; she'll have passed. Passed what? Um, the what point of no return. Yeah, well, exactly. I think again, it's a bit too ASMR. You know what I mean? It's a bit too kind of. So you're just passing through. You just passed. I did actually Die. stick a knife in their chest. And they passed quite quickly, but they did pass. They passed. And now I'm just doing a bit of Reiki over their dead body. Still twitching, still yeah, twitching. Yeah, can you feel the energy? Yeah, I can you feel, feel the, energy. the energy. Feel, feel the, energy. the energy. And then I'm just feeling in their feel pockets. Oh, hang on. The There's quite a full wallet here in their pockets. Oh, I feel that energy. Yeah. We started off this podcast talking about the uh, the sad death, not passing, mm. of Charlie Watts. From the last track on this album ends with this cymbal crash. Yeah. That's the last thing you hear yeah. at the end of Shattered. And that's like Charlie Watts saying, yeah, I'm the daddy. He was the daddy. Anyway, I hope you enjoyed this, listeners. Um, what do you think about Some Girls? Leave a message on um, Apple Podcasts or any of the other streaming services you know, saying, frankly, this is the worst one we've listened to yet. And it's taken them six months to do it. And by the way, buy this album. You'll enjoy it. You'll love it. And, you know, okay, some of it's a bit difficult in 2021, 22, but, you know, good things are difficult. That's right. Yeah.
You've been listening to Call of the Night Boys. Today you heard music from the 1978 Rolling Stones LP, Sun Girls, as well as clips from Stellar Street, created by John Sessions, Phil Cornwall and Peter Richardson, Gabba Party by Ed Sheeran's dad, Wild Horses, performed by the Flying Burrito Brothers, the Cream Farewell Concert DVD, Shattered, performed by Richard Hell and the Void Eyes. Please legally stream, download or buy a physical copy all this this music and television and we'll see you again soon. Bye.